you will this morning turn with me to our text, which will be found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. That's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how faithful and gracious Thou art. I thank Thee, O Lord, for drawing us here this day, for putting in our heart, Lord, to come here today, that You have desired to meet with us, and Lord, You have told us where two or more are gathered, You would be in the midst. We pray, Lord, for that presence this hour. I ask, O Lord, that You would reveal Thyself in Thy Holy Scriptures, that we would be able to see Thee high and lifted up. That, Lord, You would reveal Thyself as this rock, a strength, a foundation, a foundation the world does not have, but that You are pleased to build Thy people upon. Now, Lord, may it be pleasing to Thee this day for us to gather in Thy name, and may it be to Thy glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text is found here in 1 Corinthians 10.4 is speaking of the Old Testament reference that we're going to go straight to this morning and that's found in Exodus chapter 17. So if you will, turn over to Exodus chapter 17 and we'll read the beginning of this passage. It's an interesting thing that when the Lord led the Israelites out of Egypt and gave them such a strong deliverance. He brought the plagues upon the people of Egypt. He brought them upon Pharaoh. And there was such a great power that God displayed in delivering the people of Israel. And as they left, the Lord opened the storehouses and they'd show up at the doors of people and when they opened the doors, the people would hand them gold and they would hand them riches and they would say, go away from us. You know, they didn't want them there anymore. And the Lord went with them and they would wander and they, as they went about, they'd get to the Red Sea as Pharaoh and his people were coming and the Lord would, would show Moses to stand there in front of the Red Sea and he would part the Red Sea and with a picture of Christ right there in front of us that the Lord is with us throughout the passage of life and that He is the one who has to part the seas for us to get to the, the, through the Jordan, through the, through the place that, that we call life here and that the Lord safely brings His people home. And so He did that and, and the people turned around and they all saw that their enemy was destroyed there in the sea and they all sang this song of great thanksgiving and great hope and deliverance. And then they'd wander a little bit and they got thirsty and they came to these waters that were bitter. And the Lord commanded Moses to throw a tree into the water and the water that was bitter was made drinkable and was made sweet. And the people partook of that water. And they thanked God and, and they praised God and they said... Uh, Whatever the Lord and whatever He tells you, Moses, to do, we're going to do it. Then they go a little bit further and they got hungry. And that's where we got to Exodus 16. And the Lord, and they, they got angry and they chided with Moses and, and they cried out to Moses and said, you know, we're very 
hardened of heart and said, how do you bring us out here to die? And, and Moses besought the Lord and the Lord rained down manna from heaven. Once again, showing a picture of His Son. The bread of life that would come down from heaven. The only fulfillment for His people. And so we pick up in 17. Because now, two three occasions, we've seen the hardness of heart. We've seen the murmuring. We've seen the complaining. And all the congregation, chapter 17, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. It's interesting that that's the name. It was the name given for the wilderness. And I, I think things, the Lord does nothing by accident. And when His Word tells us things like this and what the name of that wilderness was, I think, wow, what, what a barren place wandering in sin is. You know, we can get lost in sins and lies that we tell and, and unbelief and things that we take place in this life and the child of God can be polluted in it. And it becomes a great wilderness for us where there's, no, there's nothing to nourish us. There's nothing to be our uh, deliverance out of that at the time that we're wandering in this wilderness of sin. And it's no different in this picture and in this historical event as they're, they're journeying from the wilderness of sin and after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord because He told them to go, they pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink, which was inor it was inordinary because usually that area did have water, but at this time it didn't. And I want you to understand what the Scripture says. It says there was no water for the people to drink. So the Lord brought the people into a famine again. He brought them to this place where there was no water, and that's under His providential care. And I say care, and... And I think as we're exercised children of God, we start to understand that the Lord brings trials and afflictions and to, to reveal Himself in us, to reveal that we are the children of God. And so He brings um, them to this place and there was no water for the people to, get, to drink. And the people, um, they chided with Moses again. As I've said, this has happened quite a bit. They were angry with Moses. And they were complaining toward Moses. And, and they, they said, give us water that we may drink. They turned to Moses and said, well, so far throughout all of this, we've cried out to you, you've cried out to God, and God has provided, so we are going to cry out to you again. And they said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? Don't you understand how faithful the Lord has been toward, toward us throughout this whole journey? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses. And they said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? So now the complaint goes from Moses to the Lord because it's the Lord who delivered them and they knew that. They have witnessed that throughout their whole life. And, and here we stop to see and, and if we weren't exercised, if we were ignorant of the Scriptures, if we didn't understand the depravity of our heart and what the Bible says about the desperately wicked self that's in us, we could stand in judgment of these people. 
And we could stand and look at them and say, how could you continue to be hardened against the Lord or complain toward the Lord? But we can't do that. We can't because as exercised Christians, as exercised those in, that are in the Lord, we know that this is our demeanor without the Lord. We know when left to self to explore the depth of the depravity that's in us, we murmur, we complain, and we say, Lord, why are things this way? Why are you not here with us? Why did you bring us to this point? And it really doesn't matter how many times the Lord has delivered us, how many trials He's brought us through. At no point in this account will you see that the people stood up and said, wait a minute, this is the same God that just rained down manna. This is the same God that parted the Red Sea. This is the same God that gave us this great deliverance out of Egypt. This is the same God that made the waters drinkable for us. But in the depravity and the desperate wickedness of the heart, we continue to question God in the evil heart of unbelief. That's what the Bible says. That's what it calls it. The evil heart of unbelief. And it is evil. And it continues to cry out to God, Why did you do this? Why do you do the things that you do? Haven't we been obedient? Haven't we been on this journey where you've told us to come? Isn't that what verse 1 said? To the commandment, according to the commandment of the Lord? Haven't we done what you told us to do? Don't we go to church every Sunday? Don't we say our prayers? Don't we open our Bibles every day? These are the thoughts that creep in and they come from our depravity. It comes from that fallen nature. It comes from that old man. And we continue to cry out to God and say, Why? Why, Lord, are things this way? And Moses cried unto the Lord in verse 4. And he said, What shall I do unto this people? Now listen to this. They be almost ready to stone me. Wow. We don't know the depth of the depravity in our hearts. In dire times, and this time they're reaching and going for murder now. We're tired of this one who's been leading us out. Never mind that he hasn't failed yet. This is the time he's going to fail. Maybe we need a new leader. Maybe we need to, you know how it is, um, when we're sunk in the wilderness of sin and we're in the depth of our depravity, we want somebody to pay for what we're going through. We want somebody else to be miserable or we want somebody else to take the blame and we start to blame shift. And we start to look at those ones, even the ones that are closest to us that we love, and we look at them and say, well, I wouldn't be in this predicament if you didn't treat me this way or you didn't say this or you did It's the wickedness that's in the heart. And, I, and as I said, if we weren't exercising this and if we didn't understand this as the Lord's revealed it to us, we would think, wow, look how, look how awful these people really are. But if you're like me and you've been exercised in how wicked your heart really is, this doesn't come as a surprise to you. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I truly believe that in my soul. I truly believe as I get up in the morning that without Christ, I can do nothing. 
And I, nothing that could please God. Nothing that could please, that could be good, that could be wholesome, that could be holy. Nothing. In my flesh dwells no good thing. So I want you to look at the Lord's response in verse 5. Not anger. Not, we're going to teach them a lesson. But we have long suffering put toward us. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. And take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, whither thou smotest the river. Take it in thy hand and go. That same rod that you stood up over the, the Red Sea and you stood up and said, these waves be parted and the Lord worked mighty work and, and you walked right through that. So take that rod again and go, take it in your hand and go. This doesn't sound like much of instruction to, uh, to say, well, we know specifically how I'm going to perform this act to bring water to these children. Remember, there's over a million of them out there wandering in this wilderness, and they're all thirsty. So then the Lord doesn't stop in His instruction. That's when we come to verse 6, which is where we take our text this morning. Behold, listen, my servant Moses. Listen to the command that I give you. Listen to the instruction that I give you as my intercessor, as my mediator. I will stand before thee upon the rock in Horeb. Now, if you went to this wilderness today, or you went to the wilderness out there where they were at this time, you would see hundreds of thousands of rocks. So what made this rock different than any other rock in the wilderness? Nothing. It was not a special rock. <laughs> but yet, the anointed eyes, the eyes that the Holy Spirit enables us to see, sees that it was a special rock. Paul said it was. That rock was Christ. And in all the wilderness, God said, I'm going to pick a rock. In all of the ways that man has contrived of salvation, God said, there's only salvation in one. I will ordain that way of salvation. It will be a particular rock. It will be a particular salvation. That's what this means. When he said to, I will stand before thee upon the rock. I will show you the rock that is my anointed. I will show you the picture of my son. I will show you that my son is the one that I have given preeminence to. All things have been given into the Son's hands. I will show you. This is the love of God the Father for His people. Never, never wavering from what Jesus said in the Word. Search the Scriptures. They are they that testify of Me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book written of Me to do Thy will, Lord. This is the book written of Him. Those two that were on the road to Emmaus, Jesus said to them and opened their understanding that, they, that He showed them everything that was in the Psalms, that was in Moses' books, that was in the Old Testament prophets. That's the entire Old Testament. 
All of that is, is, is answered in the entirety of the Old Testament. And Jesus opened their understanding to how it testified of Him. Just as He did the Apostle Paul in our text this morning. That rock was Christ. And you and I today, if we didn't have the New Testament ground, if we didn't have where Jesus said those words, and if we didn't have the understanding of Christ being the Word, we too would miss it. As they missed it here in the wilderness. Not all of them. Some. We'll see that in our text. I will stand before thee upon the rock in Horeb. I will show you the way of salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given unto men except this name. The name Jesus Christ. This rock. This rock is where our salvation is from the wilderness of sin. This rock is where our salvation is from ourselves. This rock is where the salvation is from the wicked one. And I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. That's not all. And thou shalt smite the rock. So I will show you the way of salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. But that rock must be smited. That rock must be struck. Jesus was sent to die for His people. Jesus came to save His people from their sins. Jesus must be smited. Thou shalt smite the rock. He had to show him which rock it was. In Isaiah, in Isaiah, we read in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken. The child of God must see Christ Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God. This was the way to satisfy the justice of the Father. I know we make excuses for sin every day of our life. I know the more we live in this life, we make sin to be a light thing. But in the eyes of God, it's not a light thing. It must be dealt with. And His justice must be satisfied. This rock must be smited in order for the love of God to flow out of His Son through to His children. He must be smited. That's what the Scriptures tell us here. He was smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded he was smitten. He was wounded for our transgressions. Now listen, and I hope you see this. This rock was smitten for rebellious people. This rock was smitten for those who were angry. Those who were sinners. This rock was smitten for them. Our text, uh, Jesus tell, or Isaiah tells us, he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace for us to have peace with the Father, for us to be reconciled to the Father, He must die in our place. He must perform the act as our perfect substitute. He must stand in the place of the church and stand and absorb the wrath of His Father for sin. He must pay the price that you and I have incurred. He must be smitten. The rock must be struck. Sometimes I think we lose, I know we lose sight of that when we make light of sin. When we make light of sin, we don't see Him smitten. We don't see Him stricken. We don't see Him on the cross. We don't see Him bleeding. We don't see the thorns on His head. We don't see the holes in His hands. We don't see Him crucified for us. We don't see the spear going into His side. We don't see the water coming out for sanctification. We don't see the blood for justification. We don't see the blood flowing, the the efficacious flow of the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We don't see it. Because we're in the wilderness of sin. We need this rock. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 61.2 From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You and I today need to be led to the rock that is higher than us. We need this rock. We need to see Him smitten. We need to see that God the Father chose this rock in the way of salvation. We need to have it proven to us that Christ is the only way. He's the only truth. And He's the only life. And it starts with seeing Him on the cross. It starts with seeing Him for what He is to His people. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, with His smiting, we are healed. We are healed of our infirmities. We are healed of the sick-ridden nature that's in us. The blood of Jesus Christ covers every one of us. Oh, Lord, we need to see that today. We need to see Thee high and lifted up. We need to see Thee as the rock that's higher than us. We need to see Your perfect obedience in being smitten. We need to see, Lord, that You laid down Your life for Your friends. That's where the child of God finds His obedience. It's in the obedience of Christ. It's in the life and the work of Jesus Christ. The perfect atoning work of Christ. Thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. Yes, that rock must must be smited first. Through the death of Christ comes the precious river of life, the blood that flows through for the children of God. And as I've said, this smiting did not provide the love of God. It didn't, it wasn't 
provision made for the love of God there. It was the way opened. I am the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the only way to the Father. He must be smitten. Must see Him as a perfect Savior who died in our place. It's the beginning of healing to be brought low that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. But this water, there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And, and you know, I said there was a million, over a million people there. So how could this water, I mean, how? It's just astounding to me. It flowed out like a river. It came gushing out. How do I know that? The psalmist David tells us in Psalm 78, he says, Behold, in verse 20, He smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. In verse 15 and 16, He said He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths. Don't miss that. Christ is ever giving nourishment out of the great depth of Himself. To his children. He teaches us the depth of faith. He teaches us the depth of hope. He reaches, he teaches us and reveals to us the depth of himself. So that, yes, as we open the scriptures, as Paul says, that rock was Christ. We're not sitting there shaking our head, going, How can that physical rock be that way? Because we understand as the Lord reveals in the depth of himself that He is the spiritual rock and that everything that was done here was foreshadowing Christ to come, was a picture of Christ, what He was to the people then, the people of God. And we'll see that too. That not all Israel is Israel. And out of that, He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And all million of those people came and they drank out of that rock. But our text, if you go back to our text a minute, our text tells us something else that's very uh, instructive. And that is that it followed them. He says, <laughs> Paul said, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. For the remainder 38 years in the wilderness, that rock followed them. You say, I, how could that be? Did it get up and walk? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is what the Bible's teaching. And that is that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end. I know that the Lord said, I will always be with you. That's what Paul is teaching us in this text. We need to hear from the God, uh, John. Let's go to John 4 real quick. Very familiar. John 4 and John 7 this morning. Just wanted to point out a couple things. That rock was Christ. I hope you see that this morning. I hope you understand when the, when the Word of God talks about the, the chief cornerstone and the, and the rock that's talked about, that rock was Christ. I hope you see it as the the stone, the rock, it's a foundation. The one who built his house upon the foundation. That was Christ. 
All the Scriptures speak of Him. It's the strength and the power that's found. It's the solid foundation in Christ. Look at John 4 and verse 10. This is where the woman at, uh, um, of Samaria came to the well. And she and Jesus were having this dialogue. And she came and, and, um, and Jesus answered and said unto her in verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God. What is the gift of God? We saw it today. I will show you the rock. That gift of God is His Son. The totality of His Son in the life of the children of God. In the church. He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If only we knew the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of Him, and He would have given thee living water. Christ is that living water. When you see living water, that means eternal life. That means life is in Christ. That means that Christ is the life giver. Boy, I tell you, we watch movies and hear things all the time about people searching for life and what gives them power in life. And Man, it depends on what you're watching, but there's answers to that everywhere. You see it on t-shirts. Blank is life. You know, you, you, you work with people that it's, oh, my job is my life. People go every day of their life and they define what is life. And they define it. And if you're outside of Christ, the blank is going to be filled with thousands of things. Family is life. Vacation is life. Sports is life. But if you're in Christ, if the rock reveals to you that He is life, then the answer for the child of God is Christ is life. Christ is my life. Oh, if only we knew. Look at verse 14. Jesus speaking of the same water, He said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. I'm with you always. That's that perpetual rock that we saw in our text. But the water that I that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Yes, that's what the Holy Spirit does in us today. He reveals Christ. That Christ is in us, the hope of glory. That He is life. John said it in 1 John 5.12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, no matter what you call life. Like I said, we can fill in those blanks and we can say this is life and that's life. But if you don't have the Son of God, you have no life. That's what our text tells us. You have no life. That's what I hope you see today. I hope that, that, that our in our text today that, that we understand that, that that rock is Christ. And that rock followed them wherever they were. And that rock will always follow the children of God. And we're, and you know, there is nothing on this earth that is, has greater strength than sin. Now hear what I said. There's nothing on this earth that has greater strength than sin. It's only the grace of God that is stronger than the sin. Grace greater than our sin. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 
Jesus Christ is the answer to sin. He is the remedy. He is the, he is the one to take the sting away. He is the one to take the stain away from the child of God. Let's go back to our... Oh, no. No, we got John 7. Sorry. John 7. Just turn over a couple pages. This was the last day of the feast in John 7, 37. The last day of the feast, Jesus stood up. He said this. In the last day, verse 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That is the gospel command that we have in Christ. That, how do I come? How do I come to Christ? How do I know that Christ is the rock? That command will be spoken to your soul. That command will come with such great power. But notice, notice if any man thirst. We have to be brought to thirst. We have to see that wilderness of sin. We have to be convinced of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what John tells us. He convinces us of sin. Convicts us of sin reveals to us that we are sinners. He uses the holiness of His law. He uses the spirituality of the law to say, that's what Paul said, how would I know not to covet if the Lord didn't tell me not to covet? And that law can never save us. It can only bring us to show us Christ is the answer, but only grace can reveal Christ. Only Christ can reveal Christ. In that last day, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then in parentheses in 39, This he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That's what we have now. We have the Holy Spirit to reveal to us Christ in us. Christ lives in us. Christ is the life of us. Christ is our all in all. Without Him, we can do nothing. That's what the Holy Spirit testifies of us. Doesn't mix our obedience with Christ's obedience. Doesn't mix what we have to do or has to do, must do. That's not the voice of Christ. That's not the power of Christ. That's Antichrist. Paul said it best when he said, that's not grace, that's works. If you're going to mix it, the two, it's not grace anymore. I don't know what to call it. He didn't know what to call it, but it's not grace. How great is this Savior? How great is this one full of grace and truth? Let's go back to our text now. 1 Corinthians 10. I want to back up and say a few words as we read down. So let's just start the chapter and then... Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud. We've got three pictures here in four verses of Christ. We've got a cloud, we've got manna, and we've got the rock. All our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all did eat the same spiritual meat. And they all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. 
And I know we got all the Arminians come out now and say, well, see, there you go. And all of Israel was saved. All of them. That got, Jesus provided salvation for all of them. That's, let's keep going. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Why is that? Because He'll tell us in Romans that not all Israel is Israel. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to think that deeply. That out of those million people that were out there, that He gave every one of them drink. To some, He revealed to them that that rock was Christ. To some. A Christ to come. A Christ that they knew would come. A Christ that they knew had to be their salvation. That's how particular and how sovereign and how powerful His grace is. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things, listen to what Paul said. These things were our examples. Intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. When you read through the Old Testament and you read through the life of the Israelites, it is very instructive. I can't help myself. I know that's the power of the Holy Ghost that when I'm reading there, it's reflective of the sin in my life. When I hear them murmuring, I say, oh Lord, I murmur a lot too. When I see him crying out for just the little things in life that, you know, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, but what worried them was food and water. The only thing we're missing is what are we going to wear? And those things we get very cumbered with in this life. So when I see those things and the Lord reveals the depth of depravity, I understand they were there for my example. My example to say, Lord, without You, I can do nothing. And really what's indicting to me is that we're on this side of the resurrection, so we know He's alive. We know He's risen. We know He's... These people were on the other side where they had a hope. A living hope. One that knowing of. But to me, that... that, that to me, that it just it just gets me. It just, but we know it. See, that's what I'm saying. We we can look at these guys and say, "Gosh, I mean, he rained manna down. He parted the sea. He delivered you. How how hard of heart can you be? How can you keep whining and complaining?" And the Lord says, "Thou art the man. Without me, you can do nothing." Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Oh, what beautiful words. In case you're puffing up, in case you're sitting there going, man, I wouldn't have done that. 
I, I'm not that hard of heart. I wouldn't look at the gift the Lord gave. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Oh, beware. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And then these beautiful, beautiful words to end our day. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's what Paul said. Now, all those examples I gave you, you're going to be tried just like them. You're going to be tried just like them. And we have been. But God is faithful. God is faithful. That rock is faithful. That's the sturdy strength, the foundation. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way. You know what was that way? The rock. What was that way? The cloud. What was that way? Manna. That way is Christ. That way to escape is Christ revealing to us that we are safe and secure in Him and that His blood has covered all our sins. And by His stripes, we are healed that ye may be able to bear it. Praise be to God. I'll quote this text one more time. Psalm 61 two. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. O Lord, I pray now that you would be pleased to lead us to that rock. Show us, Lord, first that that rock is higher than I. Higher than us. Lord, show us the way in Thy Son, and to You be all glory, for truly You are the rock of Thy church, the rock of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.